From MPB Think Radio, it's Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today we welcome Ryan Jones, a fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. The department's annual So You Think You Can Fish event is this happening is happening this Saturday. He'll tell us what to expect this year. Also, we'll talk about fishing in Mississippi and how you and I might be able to catch the big one. It's time to grab your rod and reel and your best bait, because we're going fishing today. Join the conversation by giving us a phone call. The number's 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today we're visiting with Ryan Jones, a fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. The department's annual So You Think You Can Fish event is happening this Saturday, so we'll find out what to expect this year. Also, we'll talk about fishing in Mississippi and hopefully how you can make the big catch. So grab your rod and reel and your best bait, because we're talking fishing today. Join the conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email animals at mpbonline.org. A reminder that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at six. So, good morning to everyone. Hope that you're all doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Doing great. Libby, you were mentioning uh, before we went on the air, the, the Fanny Cook Tour is rolling through Mississippi, and you said you had one of the biggest crowds uh, yesterday. We had a really big crowd at the two Mississippi New Museums, or the how, however you say that, the History Museum and Civil Rights Museum share a, a theater right in the middle of the two in a gift shop, and we had a program on Fanny Cook, and Kathy Shropshire was Miss Cook again, and we did that and talked about the book and had a great big crowd, so it was fun. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about her on the show, and she's really a fascinating uh, character. So I, I would imagine folks really, uh, uh, you know, it's something that, that they want to be interested in. You were kind of kidding around. You said the, the folks at the Archives and History told you that uh, that your talk was more uh, attended <laughs> more by the, the the historian that talked about former governors of Mississippi. So uh, that I thought that was kind well, of funny. Well, Miss Cook might be more interesting. That's I'm right. not sure. No, I don't know. I would never say that. No. We had some pretty interesting, probably some wild stories in that book too and uh there's a big event going on at the museum if you're a family that uh, loves to go to the museum with your kids how about going without them one night um they've got a valentine's dinner planned i think we did this once several years ago and uh so it's a chance for parents to show up. You can do it as a a single or a couple or get a group together. I think that's kind of commonly done where 
you know, four to six folks get together and come do it. And the dinner's going to be Saturday, February the 10th, that night from 6 to 8.30. You do have to have reservations because they're really doing it up nice this time. It'll count. My husband, we're going, and he says, well, this count is the Valentine's <laughs> gift. And, yeah, so I think it does count. Saltines is doing a four-course meal. Okay. And uh, so you've got to call and make reservations, and you get to pick among uh, some options. And, of course, then you get to play in the museum yourself without having to without having to do what your kids want to do. You get to look at what you want to look at for a change. So it's uh, usually been pretty well attended. So uh, either get online in the next few days and make your reservations or call the museum. All right. Uh, so, Dr. Major, things back to normal at the clinic after your, your whirlwind tour? You know, things are always, I, I think they were just as busy without me as they were with me. Uh, things have, you know, kind of caught up, and uh, it's, uh, it's good. Yesterday was some good, different things. Had a pretty good-sized uh, snake that had to have some things done to it. It had some foreign material hung in its mouth, and uh, it was a good snake, though. It was a, a ball python. And was not difficult to treat, so hopefully it'll be okay. There was some infection because of that. And uh, just general run-of-the-mill, everything from dog fights to C-sections, whatever. So it's, right. it's, it, you never know. It's kind of a, kind of like the talk call show. You never know what's going to come <laughs> in. You never know what's going to come in. But uh, we, have been, we have been busy, yes. That's why you do so well with this show. It's your life, huh? <laughs> Just go with the flow. As I mentioned, our guest today is Ryan Jones. He's a fishery, fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Ryan, thanks for being with us today. It's great to be here. Uh, how long have you been at the department? Ten years. And have you always uh, been a fisheries biologist? I have. Okay. I have. I started in 07. Um, just, I grew up here in northeast Jackson. Um, I spent... Yeah, you know, my childhood running banks of the Pearl River and every creek that I could get my bare feet in, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then actually moved out, uh, went to Northwest Rankin and and moved out toward the reservoir, and that's when I really started to develop that, you know, just obsession of just aquatic biology. And once I started kind of finding all the uh, different organisms, creatures uh, that were down there underneath the surface on Ross Barnett Reservoir. So that's where I, I really uh, developed that love. Uh, and, you know, went to Mississippi State, uh, got a, a bachelor's in fisheries and aquaculture science and, and also a master's in biology from Mississippi State. Uh, began my career working offshore with the National Marine Fisheries Service uh, as a marine fisheries observer uh, on commercial fishing boats, uh, sometimes on uh, some of the NOAA research vessels, uh, and also some uh, shrimping boats. So shrimp boats and, and commercial reef fish boats. And uh, essentially they were trying to find out, you know, if there was a – if they needed to put regulations in place to uh, make sure they could reduce bycatch. So, an, you know, a commercial fisherman was targeting uh, red snapper or they're targeting shrimp uh, for, you know, how do they how do they stop catching fish that they're not targeting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and having that incidental bycatch – so, uh, and then in 07, I started with a department, uh, and 10 years later, uh, project leader for the central and southwest regions for the Fishers Bureau. 
All right. We're going to be visiting with Ryan throughout the day, uh, throughout the hour, that is. So if you have a question about fishing, uh, you can give us a call. Ryan will give it his best shot. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Doctor Major's here, ready for pet questions, and we always like to hear any brushes with wildlife you have, your wildlife experiences or questions. Mm-hmm. The phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Uh, so Ryan, we're going to talk about uh, so you think you can fish. It's coming up this Saturday. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times on the show in advance of it. And to me, one of the, the great things about it is it really, it's something if, if you've never fished before, if you want to get interested in fishing, there's something for you. But I guess if you're a seasoned fisherman, you can find out information there as well. Certainly. Uh, like you said, this year is is uh, focused on kind of the beginners and people that want to get involved but just don't really know how or, uh, you know, just kind of some initial information that they need to know. Uh, just to get started. Uh, so tell us a little bit about maybe some of the uh, the panels and events that will be going on uh, this Saturday at the museum. My panel will be uh, the introduction to family fishing. Okay, so, uh, you know, we're just talking about what kind of fish that can be caught locally and maybe what you would use to target those fish uh, and, you know, regulations if you were if you were uh, fishing in a, a public area you know how many fish you can keep and that sort of thing and uh, and then we've got another panel uh, that's going to talk about technology in fishing and that's where you, you're talking about people who are experienced uh, fishermen can come and and there's going to be a panel where uh, Trevor Knight who's our northeast region fisheries biologist he will give a presentation on uh, technology so essentially uh, how to how to use uh, you know depth finders and that sort of thing to to target your fish to find bait and find fish uh, below the water using sonar. Um, but you know, I think you were telling us kind of your background and your story, and, and it sounded like your interest in fishing kind of led to what your career became when you became more interested in you know what was under the water there. And so, uh, some event like this or, or fishing is a great way to get kids out of the house, uh, you know, put down the, the gaming controller and pick up a fishing rod. So it's, it's a great way to get kids kind of engaged in nature. That's right. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize uh, what all a fisheries biologist does with the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. You know, obviously our primary objective is to monitor and regulate uh, public fisheries for the state of Mississippi. Um, but we also do a tremendous amount of outreach. Uh, we do youth fishing rodeos with kids, uh, and we also uh, speak with uh, schools and uh, summer camps, and we'll do uh, fish identification with them. Um, and and another thing that, that we'll have uh, at Say so You Think You Can Fish is outside of the museum they'll have uh, – a casting game so kids can come and, and practice casting or learn how to cast. And and also there will be a, a fish identification aspect to that as well. We'll also carry uh, uh, our electric fishing boat up there, and we can answer any questions that anybody has about that and what we use it for. Um, and so, But, yeah, that certainly is, is uh, a big part of our job is outreach with youth and that's one of the more rewarding parts of the job. You know, I might add, too, there'll always be some safety tips in there. 
how to avoid hurting yourself and people that are around you with That's that right. sharp tip of the <laughs> right. yeah. look behind you before yeah. you cast. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about flotation, how important it is for kids to wear their life jackets. And really, I think for their parents to, you, we want to model that good behavior. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. We're visiting today with Ryan Jones, a fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We're talking a little bit about the upcoming event this Saturday, So You Think You Can Fish, but we're talking fishing in general. And Dr. Major's here, ready for your pet question. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more Creature Comforts after this. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Ryan Jones, a fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We're talking about the event that takes place at the Museum of Natural Science this Saturday, February 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's called So You Think You Can Fish, uh, information for folks... uh, uh, new to fishing. It's a great family uh, festival. Also, uh, even if you're an experienced fisherman, there will be things that you can uh, learn from and some exhibits that you would be interested in as well. But we're talking fishing in general, and also Dr. Major is ready if you have a pet question. A reminder of our phone number, and we do have some open phone lines, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. First, we've got Anne in Gulfport on the line. Anne, if you would, uh, have your radio turned down so you can talk to us through your phone, please. But we're talking fishing in general. Let me put you back on hold. Anne, uh, uh, there is a delay, so you need to have your radio turned down or you're not going to be able to talk to us and uh, ask Dr. Major your question. So if we can get that fixed up, uh, we'll have Anne in just a minute. Uh, our producer, Java, brought in the flyer from the event. And, Ryan, as you mentioned, a, a couple of things that you talked about. One thing that caught my eye that looks pretty interesting is the Brandon High School bass fishing team will be there. Uh, do you know what the what their activities will be that day? I do not. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting that uh, I, I, wouldn't, I didn't know that high schools had fishing teams. Do, um, it's getting bigger and bigger. You know, the, um, it, it's becoming a, a collegiate sport. Okay. Okay. In fact, the guy that that won that elite that elite tournament, the Bass Elite Tournament uh, last year, uh, Dustin Connell, he he was uh, or Connell, uh, he he I think went to the University of Alabama and was on that fishing team. So um, it's actually getting a lot bigger. So would it be similar to a tournament where it's a team and then whoever I guess is it the most fish, the biggest fish? Uh... What what are usually the the guidelines for a fishing tournament? It's going to be a a bag. So typically it either be a three fish or a okay. five fish bag, uh, and so you'll keep your best three fish or your best five fish, and and whoever has uh, the total weight uh, of that bag is going to be the the winner. And then typically there's also a, a lunker prize as well. So whoever catches the biggest fish during the course of the tournament. Okay. And I'm pretty sure what the team is going to do it, uh, so you think you can fish, is they're going to help 
little kid. Right. When I was thinking about that, yeah. that's kind of, you know, because a lot yeah. of times I think when kids go to an event and it's all adults there, they might not connect well. But if they see, you know, high school kids doing this, they think, hey, that's pretty cool. That's they, something I that's can right. do, too. That's so. what it is. That's, they're going to assist, uh, you know, staff with, with anything that they need, but they're going to have their uh, their high school fishing shirts on, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's like you said, uh, maybe they're they're going to look cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's going to be an impetus to these other little kids. And one of the cool things they do is just practicing casting without the hook on there. You know, we were talking about how dangerous the hook can be, and the parent is who needs to watch out about getting hooked. But they're they're practicing their cast over and over, and usually they're casting into a hula hoop or something like that, or there's a little prize they're going to try right. to mm-hmm. catch. There's actually going to be some little fish out there um, on the lawn and, and that you can hook with those uh, plastic baits or whatever that they're going to use. And when they reel it in, there'll be a, a picture of a fish there, and so they will catch a fish and, and kind of have an aspect of that fish identification. Yeah, when uh, Nicole was here from the museum a couple of weeks ago, the the special events coordinator, we talked about that, and you know that's a great way to do it because it's like they're having fun, they're learning how to fish, but then when they pull that fish in, you, you're teaching them a little thing, you know, kind of right. kind of sneaking in that there without them knowing <laughs> yeah. what's going on. So if they've got these high school kids in there that then are helping them do that, that makes it a lot more fun. Okay, I think we've uh, we got Ann back on the line. Good morning, Ann. Uh, go ahead, please. Good morning. Um, I have a question about my uh, my dog. She's a um, a Canton de Terre. She's a medium sized dog, and we recently moved from um, our old house into a new house. And she started barking at night. We took care of that, no problem. After a couple of days, she got used to the house. But now, nine months later, she started barking again about midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and there is nothing that will quiet her down except we have to get up and sit with her. And she's a a 9-year-old dog, um, very good in any other way. She's not wedding in the house or anything, so I'm stumped. I don't know what to do. Where where does she sleep at night? Um, She has two beds. One is in the living room, and one is in our bedroom. Okay. And usually we have a habit of saying um, night, night, and then we go into the bedroom, we get into bed, she climbs into her bed in our bedroom, but sometime around um, midnight or so, she gets out of that bed and goes and sleeps in the one in the living room. Okay. So when she starts barking, and I'll try to make this as quickly as possible, but when she starts barking, uh, it's usually from the other room, not from your bedroom? Yes. Right, it's from the living room. Yes. Have you considered closing your bedroom door? Well, it's not just us. We have um, an adult daughter that lives with us. She has MS. Her bedroom is right off the living room. Okay. And um, there's something something that's triggering this. I'm not sure what it would be. Uh, Me either. Have you uh, Have you heard a train go by? Anything like that at night? No. Um, uh, I no. just wonder if it's some sound, routine sound, that's making her uh, uh, more alert. Uh, I, I'm not sure what to say, and it's going to be a difficult thing for me to tell you what to do. Uh, try to change things up a little bit, see if that helps. Uh, how would she respond to being in a crate uh, with her bed in the crate? Um, we've never had her in a crate before. Right. Um 
I'm not sure. When she was a puppy, we had rooms blocked off right. with the gate, right. and she responded very well right. to that. You might get a large a large crate, like a hard-sided crate, uh, mm-hmm. put her bed in there, and kind of make it like a little retreat for her, and mm-hmm. keep that in your bedroom, I would think, maybe. And uh, the other thing would be some kind of background music or sound might help her as well. It's a complicated it was- complicated problem, and I'm not sure I can yeah. help you, but... Uh, Try some different things and experiment and see how she does, okay? All right. All right. Thank Good luck you to much. you. Let us know if she, you figure it out. Thank you. All right. And thanks for calling. You know, uh, Dr. Major, I would say veterinarians, certainly with physical problems uh, with our pets, but sometimes you, you get to play pet psychologist and help owners figure out <laughs> things about strange behaviors. Right. Well, remember that our pets tend to train us. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't depend on whether they're cats, dogs, or whatever whatever, but they, they have the upper hand a lot of times. Feral cats can be active at night, you know, right. so, so that's, some, that's what my dog does. Something is set, <laughs> something is setting her off. If this is something that's developed recently, my two cats were at the window last night, and I said, what are y'all doing over there? They were both sitting there in like almost a pile. Bird feeders out there, and there were two raccoons, which I couldn't see because it was dark, and they were, they were watching the raccoons, so... Uh, uh, I don't know what to say other than, yes, that was different behavior for them. <laughs> yeah, and I bet it's some strange animal that's could be got a route is. by the house or They'd something. Close the curtains. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, just just work at it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. My cat uh, stared at the ceiling for, I would guess, half an hour the other day at a single ladybug. And I was thinking of that poor cat, that one bug, uh, he couldn't get to her. Uh, but uh, and I think the ladybug, uh, well, they don't know, but I think they knew that you know they were out of reach. That thing was he once. Uh, there was one at the top of a door, and this cat was jumping three fourths of the way up the door, trying to c- trying to get to that bug. Because I was in the other room, and I heard this commotion. And I looked, and I'm thinking, "My goodness!" But yeah, I thought it was great because he was so focused on that one bug, and he sat there for half an hour. And I, if it moved, I guess he was ready to spring at it. But right. that was kind of fun. That's to see good that. exercise. Also, uh, Doctor Major, you mentioned uh, crates, and I know my brother. Uh, when they got their latest dog, they they went with the crate training, and and they say he loves it. At that, when he comes in the house, he will go directly to that crate. And as you said, it's kind of it, it, they establish, and it's kind of their own little space, I guess. Sometimes, kind of a security thing, uh, whether it's a cave or whatever it is. But there is something about the crate that if you work with them on that, that they really respond to it. And most people that have a dog that's crate trained say it's time to go to bed. Uh, dog will go get in it. And, mm-hmm. Of course, I would give a little treat or something like that, and that reinforces it. Yep. Uh, we've got another caller on the line, so let's say good morning to Jerry in Rankin County. You're on the air, Jerry. Go ahead, please. Uh, yes, I have a question for the biologist. I know that uh, state lakes and stuff like that get stocked with game fish, but my question is, is there a program where we could stock headwaters of the rivers, of the smaller rivers with game fish, which would encourage more people to get out and on these uh, waterways. Thank you. Okay. Typically, when we stock public waters, uh, especially rivers, is uh, you know it, it's a species where we're trying to either recover. Um, we we don't typically supplemental stock other than the hybrid striped bass. That's that's about uh, and and the the sea sea run striped bass. Those are probably the two species that we would stock like that uh most of the rivers in mississippi are fertile and and have uh, great natural fish populations and and actually uh 
stocking hatchery fish uh, on top of wild populations can uh, can actually be detrimental. And I would imagine, yeah, if you say if, if the natural fish population is sufficient, you would obviously, you know, that's the way it's intended, so no need to meddle with that. Correct. Uh, the other thing, I think you mentioned fishing rodeos, and I had mentioned on the air a couple of weeks ago that, you know, I've, there's a small park uh, in Pearl that I walk in, and it has a pond, and I know that every year uh, there is a fishing rodeo. So are, these, I think, are held probably across the state throughout uh, different parts of the year. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's great for me to see because it's, you know, mom, dad, the kids, it is a family event, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so uh, possibly maybe the website would have information on, on fishing rodeos in, in throughout the state. Absolutely. MDWFP.com. Um, you know, you go to the fishing and boating tab and you can find, uh, the youth fishing rodeo schedule uh, for 2018 there. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great place, uh, to take a kid that, that doesn't, uh, know how to fish everything is is provided at a lot of them uh well not everything often you have to bring a pole to some because uh, some of them are are on our uh state lakes mm-hmm. and some of them are at at turcot uh, on the back side of the ross barnett reservoir our central region office uh, we've got a couple a couple ponds there we have a, a lot of rodeos there and then some of them are actually off-site on, on private or or other municipal ponds mm-hmm. so uh, we ha- and we have them all over the state there's over 50 uh, i'm not sure what the number is this year uh, but they're everywhere throughout the state and uh, you know if you're interested like i said go to www.mdwfp.com find that uh, youth fishing rodeo schedule and and see where uh, they're going to be close to you and and uh, what time of the year that way you're prepared all right. And yeah, like I say, that it's very popular. That's always, you know, the most crowded day at that park is, is when I see that fishing rodeo going on. Got another caller. It's Chris from Bay St. Louis. Good morning, Chris. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning, y'all. Happy New Year. Hey, Libby, how you doing? Hey, how are you, Chris? I'm good. Listen, I'm glad to hear uh, Brian Jones. Is it Brian or Ryan? Ryan. I'm glad to hear that you've been on a commercial boat before. That, uh, that means a lot, uh, especially in the business that you're in. Um, I heard a little bit about the hatchery raised fish. It's one of the things that's going on down here. People believe that you can put tape, speckle trout, and redfish, and I I was trained that that just doesn't work. But um, I don't expect you to come on that because I want you to keep your job. <laughs> the, um, look, the, the, the real quick thing, you know, the, the BP money, this is about the Pearl River. There's a big fight with the coast legislation. They want all the money down here. I'm from the coast, and I think we've done a terrible job of the BP money that we've gotten so far. I would be all for giving the, the northern part of the state that money and buy that land that they want to develop that reservoir on the Pearl River and just set that, just let that be. And that would go a great way to help that Pearl River stay stable, and, and it would be a good use for that money as far as I'm concerned. Again, I don't expect you to comment on that. And uh, the last thing, back to the little kids and fishing. Well, I believe if kids got in the ditches and the streams and the creeks and the ponds with nets and traps and whatever else they could find, minnow sames, and, and they caught, they got caught on fire about this, it, it, we would have a lot less trouble with uh, with these kids than we do. But, of course, we want to keep them out of the ditches because they're dirty and they're nasty and all that stuff. But you'd be surprised, and I know you know this, you go find a little, little dish somewhere and put a net in there, you're going to find some fish. So, um, anyway, good show. I just wanted to make those comments. All right. Chris, thanks for the call. 
This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Time for another quick break. When we get back, we'll continue visiting with Ryan Jones, fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Dr. Major here, ready for some pet questions as well. You can join the conversation with a phone call. It's one mpb ring It's one 672 Back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today is Ryan Jones, a fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We've been talking about So You Think You Can Fish, and we'll remind you of the details of that in just a minute, and sort of fishing in general. Uh, Dr. Major here ready to take some pet questions. And again, if you ever have a brush with wildlife or a wildlife experience that you'd like to share with us, please feel free to call in. So we've got some open phone lines, and again, that phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go. Bill has called in from Memphis today. Good morning, Bill. Go ahead. Good morning. I'm going to turn the tables on you just a little bit here, and i got a question for you. Okay. Uh, have you ever had somebody come up behind you and just scare the daylights out of you? Uh, I think most of us probably have, yeah. Okay, well, think about this. A dog in a kennel, it's a closed space, one way in, one way out. Nobody can sneak up behind them. And when you've got a dog that's real skittish, it's best to use the enclosed type that had the little vent holes on the sides. And if they're not real skittish, you can use the regular uh, wire cage kennels. But uh, I found that in all my time of uh, training animals that uh, that works real good for them. And uh, so that that uh, might help some people out there. I don't know, but they it's a small space that they can protect. Uh, you don't want to get one too big, but one that's just big enough for them to lay down and stretch out, and that's about it. And uh, they get real comfortable in that uh, environment, and uh, they know they're safe. That's the biggest thing. All right, Bill. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the comment, uh, Doctor Major. That that sounds all about right, and that was you know so, sort of what we were talking about when we mentioned the the crates and the kennels. True, and that's that's good. Some good points, and I uh, appreciate your call. All right, we've got some open phone lines. If you'd like to join our conversation today, at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're uh, talking about an upcoming event at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science this Saturday, February 3rd. It's So You Think You Can Fish, and it goes from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the museum. There are activities and uh, and seminars for both beginning fishers and uh, fishermen and also seasoned fishermen, uh, again, to kind of give you an idea of what's going on. Uh, there's a family fishing seminar uh, using technology to fish. Uh, there'll be crafts, casting, and baiting lessons, a new technology seminar. Uh, the Brandon High School bass fishing team will be there to help out. Uh, the, as uh, Ryan mentioned, the electro fishing boat will be there, uh, a touch tank, and a behind-the-scenes aquarium tour of the museum. So a lot of interesting things going on. So again, if your family loves to fish or if it's something that you want to get involved with, uh, this would be an opportunity to learn more about fishing. 
Um, so, um, are you do you, are you a master? Well, let me put it this way: Is there anything about being a fisheries biologist that gives you an insight or uh, helps you when you go out and fish on your own? I'd say the only thing that may give you some insight would just be understanding fish behavior. So where a fish is going to be at different times of the year, uh, obviously you need to know uh, where where to put that bait, uh, <laughs> where the fish are going to be located. So uh, that gives you a leg up. Obviously, uh, you, when we do our sampling, typically it's in the fall uh, and it's cold and uh, most people aren't fishing at that time. They're hunting, you know, <laughs> that's that's what they do. But uh, you know, I mean, certainly uh, just having more knowledge uh, of each species uh, may help out. All right. Um, what about what types of fish uh, fishermen in Mississippi can catch? Are there some that are more prevalent than others? Right, and, and we're going to talk about that uh, this this Saturday at the uh, introducing family fishing. You know. You know, around here, typically people are going to fish for either catfish, brim, crappie, or bass. Uh, you know, if you're a beginner fisherman, uh, you're you're going to probably target catfish or brim. Where that's a situation where you know you can you could just sit down, cast out, and watch your cork or watch your line and wait for the bite. You know, whereas crappie and bass are a little bit more advanced. Uh, you know. You can use you can use minnows to fish for crappie and bass, but oftentimes people use artificial baits, and uh, you know maybe a little bit more skill involved in in uh, using artificial baits to catch fish. Um, so the other thing that you had mentioned, and we talked about, there was a new technology uh, seminar at the uh, the event this Saturday, um, and I guess I think you had mentioned depth finders. What are some of the other types of coming in general technology that's helping people be better fishermen? Right, and I'm not sure what all Trevor's going to cover. He he has uh, created that, but you know, they've also got side scan imaging. It's really unbelievable how far along that technology has come. Uh, you can just be in your boat and and watching the screen, and you can see with pretty good detail what the bottom looks like, and a lot of times can see fish. Uh, on the screen, and um, it almost makes it not fair. You know, I, don't, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't use a whole lot of that. I'll, I'll use the sonar uh, when I'm fishing, you know, just to know where, where depth changes are and, and, and maybe try to find some structure down there. Uh, but I, I don't use the side scan imaging as much. Uh, and you mentioned a little bit about bait. Uh, what do you think, uh, again, maybe we're talking about uh, new fishermen, people just new to fishing, uh, what's the best kind of bait to use? Right. So starting with catfish, and I mean, catfish can't see very well. You know, they they need to be able to smell it. Uh, so something that stinks <laughs> <laughs> is oftentimes the best bait. Uh, worms, chicken liver, or like I said, a stink bait of some kind, uh, you know, which could be like uh, cheese or... Um, Actually, when I when I first started fishing um, at an early age, I I used just bread dough, uh, <laughs> so I could go get a loaf of bread and you just tear the crust off and take that middle part of the bread and you can break you know break that into four pieces and ball it up in, into a dough ball and put that on and catfish eat that 
all day. I mean, I you could catch a pile of catfish on a loaf of bread. We've got some open phone lines today. If you'd like to join our conversation, we're visiting with Ryan Jones, a fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We're talking about So You Think You Can Fish, an event at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science this Saturday, February 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. But we've been talking about fishing in general. And Dr. Major is here ready for any kind of pet questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Now, I think when I was a kid, if someone had told me that you need to have some sort of stinky thing to go fishing with, I would have probably grabbed the vegetables off my plate and see if I could have used that. But I'm not sure that would have worked out very well. Instead of the bread. Huh? <laughs> uh, we've got another caller on the line. So this time we're going to say good morning to Ernie in Meridian. Go ahead, Ernie. Hi, Ernie. Are you with us? Go ahead. Yeah, go. Yeah, I'm here. You hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, a fish called a chain pickerel, uh, your biologist, uh, has he come uh, in contact with this? It's a rare kind of, it's like a pike, a northern pike, but it doesn't get very big. And I was wondering if he would comment on it. And, and I've only caught two by accident fishing over here in the, uh, uh, East Mississippi. So any comment about the uh, uh, rarity of that uh, particular fish? Usually you... It's, you think of it as a cold, cold water fish. That's kind of unusual to catch, at least in this central Mississippi. I don't know about northern Mississippi, so I'd like to know if he's in his sampling and come up on any uh, chain pickerel. I have. They're they're not rare, uh, but but they're not maybe as as uh, populated as other game fish species. They're they're found in the Ross Burnett Reservoir, the Pearl River. Um, you know, uh, out your way. I know. Uh, Clark Coast State Park has a lake out there, and, um, and chain pickerel are, are there. Uh, it's fed by a creek, and uh, you can find them at Okatibbee Reservoir uh, out in your direction as well. Um, that's, uh, oh, that's kind of interesting. I've been, I fished at Okatibbee and Clark Owen, but uh, and I think I've caught the one or two I've caught were, to tell you the truth, and oh, just some kind of one in a private lake and one in a slough or something like that, and I thought, well, these are... Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, mine, uh, but they're, but you, they're not, well, I guess what I'm saying, uh, well, yeah. It has to do with their, very rare, uh, yeah. It's their reproductive biology. They, they, they just put more emphasis on individual, they're, they don't spawn as many numbers and, and each species has a different strategy for that. Yeah. It would just be kind of fun, unusual, and entertaining to catch one or two every every year. It just for something different. But uh, uh, appreciate the answer. Thank you very much. Thanks yes, for your call, Ernie. Uh, let's get one more phone call before our final break this hour, and it goes to Bob in Bahalia. Bob, you're on the air, so go ahead, please. Hello. Thank you very much. I'll try to be quick. Okay. Uh, just a couple of comments about the, the comfort, the calm dog. I, I'd always heard that puppies want to sleep with something over their head. And I found that to be true, and in older dogs as well. And I'd, I would use a cardboard box, but if, if people use a kennel, I'd, I, if it was me, I'd leave the door open. And about the fishing, uh, my grandpa would take us out in the boat when we were kids. He would set up a brim bed. He would put uh, horse grain in a tow sack and let it sort and submerse it and let it sour. And then he'd take us out there with just a cork and cane pole to sit there all day just pulling him in. And uh, brought back memories when you said stink bait. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. You know, the dogs like to have something over their heads. 
um, young and old. And uh, I guess that's true for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bob. Uh, Thanks for your call. Let's take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap up Creature Comforts. Today we're visiting with Ryan Jones, fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And Dr. Major's here ready for a pet question at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Ryan Jones, fisheries biologist at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Again, we want to remind you about an upcoming event this Saturday, February 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science in Jackson, So You Think You Can Fish. They've got information for both uh, beginning and seasoned fishermen. So it's an an informative morning of seminars and activities for fishermen and the whole family. And we've been talking a lot about it. Sounds like it would be a lot of fun if you are interested in fishing. Also, we were told uh, that today is the 48th anniversary of kind of our parent company. I don't know if that's exactly the right term to use, but Mississippi ETV, the Mississippi Authority for Educational Television, is our official state uh, title. Uh, went on the air 48 years ago today. Obviously, uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting Radio has not been around that long, uh, but uh, Mississippi ETV, as it was known in back in the day, uh, began broadcasting on this day 48 years ago. So I think a lot of folks have uh, fond memories of maybe of some of the things as kids that they might have watched on uh, public television and ETV. So a little bit of a cause for celebration for us today. Got another caller on the line, and it's Chico from Oxford. Good morning, Chico. Hey, good morning, y'all. Um, I got a question about my dog, Captain America. Okay. And um, really, I, just, I don't think this is unusual, although what I'm about to tell you is absolutely 100% true. I'm just wondering what may, I figure other dogs do it. But I travel with him in the cab of my Dodge Brothers truck that we're in right now. But we travel about close to 100 miles a day, seven seven days a week. And there is a CD that's stuck in this CD player, and it's been there for about two years now. And there's one song. You know, he'll be laying there asleep. And there's one song that when it starts, which inevitably we hear it three or four times a day, <laughs> he starts howling. And like I said, I, I, figured, I figured this is not a surprise to the bad man, but just what's going on? <laughs> tell, me, tell me what the song is. <laughs> It's a it's a live version of Springsteen's um, "She's the One." It's a, it's a live version of his first show in Memphis in nineteen seventy six. Okay. Well, that sl- was my first Springsteen show, so I'm not worried about it being stuck in there. That's fine. <laughs> well, I would suspect there's something in that that's affecting him uh, sonically. You know, hitting his ears just right, and we do see. I know at the clinic. Uh, there are certain things that will set the dogs off, and we'll have four, five, six howling at the same time. Usually it's the train going through, and when that whistle blows, they'll start howling. So there's something with uh, that particular song, obviously, that sets him off, and he's probably trying to sing. <laughs> yeah, he's singing along. <laughs> All right, uh, Chico, thanks for the call. And I'm wondering if it's whether a howl of approval or a howl of disapproval. That would be an interesting thing to try to figure that out. I think you need to send that information to the Springsteen (laughs) promotions team. They'd love that. It's amazing that that tape has been in there for two years. Yeah. Or CD. 
so Ryan, um, when someone goes fishing, let's talk maybe a little bit about maybe some regulations. Obviously, I, they're supposed to have a fishing license, I would think. Is that correct? It's correct if you're fishing uh, public waters. Okay. Um, anything else, like say if someone were to go to one of the state parks or something uh, to fish, are there any things they need to keep in mind about uh, limits, uh, that sort of thing? Certainly. Uh, so I guess, um, you know, it's not like hunting, like deer hunting, uh, where you have so many deer throughout the year, regardless of where you are. Uh, on In private ponds, uh, I guess the owner of that pond kind of owns the fish because uh, it's, it's not a free-ranging animal. Uh, so, you know, there is no limit on a private pond. You can do whatever you want to on your own pond. Obviously, if you're on somebody else's pond, you may want to get permission from the landowner. Um, on public waters, we have uh, what's, what's called the statewide krill limit. Uh, and so, by, by default, if there is no regulation, a special regulation, uh, there's just the statewide krill limit, and that's just catfish. Uh, there's no limit on catfish. Uh, so, like, if you just went down to, say, the Ross Barnett Reservoir Spiltway, uh, the regulations there are just the statewide krill limit, okay? So there's no special regulation. So catfish is unlimited. You can keep as many catfish as many at whatever size. Uh, brim, you can keep 100 per person per day of any size. Crappie, 30 crappie per person per day uh, of any size. And then bass could be uh, 10 per person per day of any size, and and that's black bass. So, uh, for instance, on below the spillway there, uh, you know, we've actually got two different species of black bass, the largemouth bass and the spotted bass, but a combination of them uh, would be, you know, 10 is what you could keep of any size. Um, I've I referred to the striped bass earlier. Uh, they, You can keep six of those, but they've actually got to be 15 inches. So uh, there is a regulation, and that's statewide. Um, and so, uh, and that's just due to oftentimes we're, we're stocking those uh, supplementally. So uh, we just try to make sure that somebody, when they go to running and biting, somebody doesn't just clear the whole stock out, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then... But it, say if you were to jump up on top of the reservoir uh, and start fishing the main lake up there, um, bass actually have a special regulation there. So they they need to be 14 inches. Uh, they need to be over 14 inches to keep. So if if you measure that, and the way you're going to measure a fish is is total length. So you're going to close the mouth uh, and measure uh, to the tip of the tail. You could pinch the tail. And and uh, the fin, uh, the caudal fin, and and uh, and you you measure that total length, and it's got to be over that fourteen inch line to keep. And up there, you can actually only keep seven. Okay, uh, you mentioned the website mdwfp.com a couple of times. We talked about you could find information about fishing rodeos in your area, but I imagine uh, also the regulations uh, that if you needed to review them, you could find that information. Uh, any other kind of useful information for fishermen on, on the fishing tab on the website? Right. Any other questions or concerns you have about um, public freshwater fisheries, you know, always uh, you can you can call uh, the Fisheries Bureau here in Jackson at 601 Four three two 
2212. That's going to be the, the help desk there in fisheries. Um, the central region office where I work, um, uh, the Turcotte lab, uh, behind the reservoir, that number is 601-859-3421. And if you have questions about it, you can, uh, you know, just ask for Ryan Jones. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement will answer, uh, but ask for <laughs> Ryan Jones or somebody else in fisheries, and uh, we'll do the best to answer any questions you have. Okay. And again, we've kind of been talking about beginning fishermen this hour. Uh cost involved in, in you know, a moderate, I, I, obviously if you're starting out fishing, you don't want to get the most advanced rod and reel, but I think it's, it sounds like it would be affordable to get started. Certainly. Uh, you know, <laughs> the most primitive would just be the cane pole, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's pretty easy. People, uh, you can, you can fish for catfish and brim with just a cane pole, uh, you know, in, in some of the creeks and just on the bank, uh, of, of lakes and that sort of thing. Uh, the cane pole is extremely affordable. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, it kind of goes up from there to like maybe a, a what's called a spin cast. I guess people uh, be more familiar with the Zebco. <laughs> it's just got the push button on the back. It's really easy to cast. Um, and then it gets up from there. Uh, spinning reels and bait casting reels can, can be as expensive as you want to pay. All right. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating more than 20 years of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife. And from contributions from listeners like you. If uh, Our show is produced today by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Ryan Jones, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.